Blog Talk Radio. Hey everyone, as you know, we have very, I'm very excited, uh, this is, we have Sean Kanan from uh, General Hospital on with us tonight. Um, he is an author and an actor, daytime audience know him from his portrayal of Deacon Sharp on daytime dramas Young and the Restless and Bold and Beautiful. Most recently, Sean reprised the role of A.J. Quartermain on the Emmy-winning daytime drama General Hospital. Sean has done a multitude of things in his career. He started his journey in acting when he received his big break working for Academy Award-winning director John Avildsen in The Karate Kid Part 3. He went on to star on television shows such as The Outsiders, and then daytime came calling in the form of A.J. Quartermain on General Hospital. After his time on GA, Sean then joined the cast of the now-defunct Sunset Beach in the role of Jude Avenatt and remained with the show until its cancellation. Sean then moved on to the daytime drama Bold and the Beautiful in the role of Deacon Sharp that we all love. After Sean left daytime, he starred in several films and competed in the third season of the Italian version of Dancing with the Stars. When Sean returned to daytime, he reprised his role of Deacon Sharp when he crossed over to Sister Soap, Restless. While on Young and the Restless, he also wrote a book, The Modern Gentleman, Cooking and Entertaining with Sean Kanan, published by Dunham Books. After a brief stint as Deacon on Gold, Sean returned to where it all started for him in daytime, A.J. Quartermain. In addition to his role on GH, Sean has also been portraying the character of Pierce Sterling in Scandal Crest a new improvised soap opera web series from the world-famous theater in Hollywood, California. You can catch Sean in the last installment of Skip Crest this Friday night on December 7th at Acme or watch at scandalcrest.com. Let's welcome to the airwaves, Sean Kanan. Hi, Sean. Hi, how are you? Thank you very much. It's so weird. It's always weird having someone sort of recount uh, sort of an encapsulized history Real life. I always listen and we're just like, that just seems strange. Anyway. <laughs> well, now you know what you've done. You know, some, some yeah. people don't know what they've done. So, anyway. That's, that's <laughs> um, you had a big break in the, business, in, in the business with the movie The Karate Kid Part 3 as the adversary to the character of Daniel LaRusso, played by Ralph Macchio. And you right. performed your own stunt. What kind of preparation did you go through in order to film this movie? Well, I, you know, I've been studying martial arts uh, since I was about 13 years old. So, uh, you know, I think that was definitely uh, a contributing factor to my winning the role. Um, and then, you know, once I, once I was asked, we went into a really um, pretty intense process of uh, rehearsal involving you know, memorize, blocking and memorizing all the choreography for the fights, um, martial arts training. I trained with a gentleman uh, who was uh, um, part of Chuck Norris's demo team uh, in the 60s and then later went on to be a very, uh, this Pat Johnson, a very famous uh, fight uh, choreographer. He did all the stuff for the Ninja Turtles and for um, Mortal Kombat and, uh, and all the Karate Kid films. So, you know, I knew I was in pretty good hands. It was just uh, it was just a tremendous amount of work. Yeah. How how intense did you get your own your own stunt? How 
fight scenes to film? I mean, were they like extremely intense? I know they were technical, of course, but were they intense in getting ready for them? Well, you know, I mean, it was it it involved a lot of work to to memorize the choreography because uh, you know you, you definitely don't want to hurt the star, which was Ralph Macchio, and Ralph is not a trained martial artist. And so, you know, anytime you're working with somebody who really, um, you know, who's not really familiar with with uh, the martial arts that the choreography is based on, there's there's a real possibility of somebody getting hurt. And so, you know, we had to rehearse and rehearse until it was just second nature. And um, you know, I I think in the I think in the final. Uh, you know, in, the, in the final tournament scene, I really think that you know we 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 all were able to to manifest what the director and the fight coordinators um, ha- had envisioned, and so and nobody nobody did get hurt during that. I was I was actually seriously injured during the filming, but oddly enough, it had nothing to do with uh, martial arts, so it was kind of ironic. Oh wow. Um... Okay, well, let's let's switch gears a little bit and and talk about your experience in daytime. Besides GH, which we'll get to in a minute, obviously, um, uh-huh. you, you were also on the daytime drama Sunset Beach. What was your fondest memory from working on that on that show? That's that's that's, that's really easy, actually. But my fondest memory from being on that show had nothing to do with actually being on the set. I remember I was in Las Vegas. Uh, with my father, um, and I don't really remember why. I think he had a, a business uh, thing there, and we we saw Aaron Spelling uh, in one of the hotels that we were were visiting over there, and um, you know I said to my father, I, I think I should probably go say hello to him. You know he's the you know he's the big cheese who who ultimately was responsible for putting me on the show, and so I went up and I said hello to him and introduced my father. And he was so incredibly gracious, and he, you know, he shook my hand and my father's hand, and he, he said, "I just want to tell you, you know, your your son is is really, you know, an asset to the show and a fine actor." And I mean, he, you know, he didn't have to say that, and I, uh, I, I just was struck by what an incredible gentleman he was. And you know, this is a guy that uh, was absolutely, uh, you know, an iconic uh, presence in in television uh, during his lifetime, and that really. Uh, and you know, it, it 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 was it meant a lot to me and impressed my dad. And you know, you always want to try and impress your dad when you're with him. So it was kind of a double win. Oh well, that that's really cool. That's really cool. Um, you were on both daytime dramas, Bold and Beautiful, and Young and the Restless, as the character of Ethan Sharp. What? Do you think it was about that character Deacon that allowed him to fit into both soaps with ease? Um, well, I don't know that he def- I don't know that Deacon uh, fit in with ease so much on the Young and the Restless. Um, I think it was a much better fit on the Bold and the Beautiful, and I'll tell you why. The character was created by Bradley Bell. Um, you know, Brad wrote for me directly uh, when I was on the Bold and the Beautiful, and you know, the character's been very successful because I, I've always tried, you know, you can't judge a character that you play. You know, you can't right. say I'm playing this guy and he's bad because people generally don't judge their own motives. They just right. have motives and they're all trying to, you know, get what they want. And um, I, I think that Deke, the guy that's, you know, a deeply flawed and troubled guy, 
that really sort of has done some things that are bad, but has also done some things that are good. And I'm always I'm always interested in in sort of exploring the different shades of gray uh, with characters. And I think that resonated with people. I think that, you know, in, in Deacon, they saw that this guy's kind of like an anti-hero. And, and you never knew what he was going to do next. And people liked that. And so because the character was popular, um, I, I had sort of run out of story on Bold and Beautiful. And, you know, the, the, the powers that be graciously brought me on to Y&R, for which I'm very appreciative. Um, but I, I just, I always felt like it was a better fit uh, on B&B. Okay. Well, that's good to yeah. know. Um, you starred also in the indie film titled Abracadabra, directed by Julie Pacino, who's Al Pacino's daughter. Yeah, and Al, Al executive produced it, yeah. Oh, my goodness. What drew... Go ahead. No, no, I was just going to say, that was like a really, a really great experience. Can you tell us about it? I mean, what, what about you know, it... Was... I, I, you know, it, there were a lot of things that were great about it. I mean, you know, obviously, anytime you get to work uh, with somebody, uh, you know, like Al Pacino, who's uh, producing, and his daughter Julie, who's extremely talented, that's, uh, you know, I, I was impressed. <laughs> um, but the thing, the thing that I loved about it was I, I was, I was very much able to play a character that is against type. For me, um, you know, I, I, I you know, I, I got to do an accent. I played a guy that was, uh, you know, a, a, a child kidnapper and, and and a very sort of dark character. And uh, I worked with Beth Grant, who is just, you know, such a terrific actor. I mean, Beth has done so many huge movies uh, that uh, you know you can't even count them. And um, I had never I had never filmed in New York either. And you know, when you film in New York, uh, especially when you're doing exteriors on the street there, you know, invariably you wind up getting a, a group of onlookers. And there's just like such an amazing energy and electricity to that. And obviously, you know, you're, you know, you're, you're not concentrating your energy on the people that are watching you because if you do that, then you're not, you know, present in the scene. But by the same token, you know, you, you you, you're, you're aware of it, and it's just it's a really different experience uh, filming in New York than really anywhere else that I've filmed. Um, the, the you know the, the final the final cut of Abracadabra that I saw, I think it's very interesting. I thought it was audacious, and um, I think Julie is somebody that is going to probably uh, develop a career much in the same way as uh, Sofia Coppola. I think she has a, a very interesting voice. And she's got a lot of talent, and uh, the last name definitely is going to open a few doors. I think, uh, not that not that she needs to rely on that though. Ah, very interesting. Well, that must have been interesting having Al Pacino executive producing it as well, and having them both on the set at the same time. Yep. Well, actually, actually, I have to I have to clarify that that Al was not on the set, and uh, he was he was you know really really. Uh, knee deep uh, filming um, uh, the Dr. Kevorkian film. Um, so, uh, truth be told, uh, I didn't really uh, have a chance to uh, to meet him. I was supposed to, you know, be at the same screening with him, and I wasn't able to make it. So, you know, really, I was I was just working with uh, with with Julie and her partner Jendalia on the film, and uh, yeah, but obviously, you know, I know that Al saw it. Right. He he produced it. 
okay. You have also, I mean, you do everything, don't you, Chef? Um, you, yeah, busy. <laughs> um, you have written a book titled The Modern Gentleman Cooking and Entertaining Canaan. Yes. What was the inspiration and motivation behind writing the book? Um, well, I've, I've loved cooking for a very long time. Uh, you know, I've, I've been doing it probably since I was uh, my days in college. And uh, I've also had the good fortune to travel extensively, and I've tried to learn a little bit about the, you know, the various culinary influences for the places that I've visited. I lived in Italy for almost a year, and uh, you know, I just I think that food really is a metaphor uh, or or a conduit for connecting with with other people. And the book is interesting in the sense that it's a hybrid. I mean, it's it's absolutely a book about cooking. Uh, written sort of in my voice, which I like to think is kind of, you know, tongue-in-cheek, irreverent, right. maybe a little naughty. Um, and the book also has a lot of chapters in it that have to do with sort of re- reclaiming the lost art of being a gentleman, um, but not at the expense of um, diminishing, I guess, uh, a sense of what it's like to be a guy's guy. Uh, there's actually a chapter in there that I think really... Um, encapsulates what the message of the book is. And it says, you know, the modern gentleman is a nice guy, but is not a nice guy in, in quotation marks. Um, you know, and I talk a lot about, uh, you know, I talk a little about sexual politics. I talk a, a lot about, um, you know, the, the lost art of, of, you know, what it's like to be a gentleman and a little bit about the disconnect, too, of how guys my age were frequently raised by their mothers because dad was off working. And so you were taught to, you know, stand when a woman comes in the room and open the door for her and things like that. And then, you know, 20-some years later when you get out in the real world and you try and utilize some of these these things that have become second nature, sometimes the, the current generation of women, you know, are of the mind, hey, I don't need a guy to open the door for me, or, or it's it's somehow demeaning to do a lot of the things that, you know, at least I was raised to do. And what happens consequently is guys are walking around a, a little bit, you know, dumbstruck, thinking, wow, I, I'm just trying to be nice and be a gentleman and be courteous, and it's being um, it's, it's being taken as as something else. And so it causes confusion. And so... You know, I, I talk a lot about that in the book, too, and I think that's what makes this a great book for men and women. It gives women sort of a front-row seat into the, the theater of the male psyche, tells them how, you know, at least for me, men. And I think it, it talks a lot with guys about, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's okay to be a gentleman. There's nothing effeminate about that. Uh, and at the same time, you can absolutely uh, hold tight to you know, your, your sense of masculinity, one doesn't diminish the other. I guess that's the best way that I can, can describe it. Uh-huh. And, and I think, you know, there's, there's one other thing, I'll just want to finish it by this. You know, the, the, the show Queer Eye for the Straight Guy, I think those guys give a lot of really good information to, to the male population. The problem, I think, and this was not their fault, but I think the problem was that a lot of guys, um, the message the message got lost due to the who was presenting it. And 
I, I think that, you know, as a guy that's done martial arts films and a guy that plays, you know, sort of this, um, you know, this guy's guy, uh, you know, Deacon Sharp, I think it, it made it a little bit more um, palatable for other guys to hear the message that, that I was offering. And, and that's in no way, you know, meant to, uh, you know, denigrate what, what those guys were doing. But, you know, sometimes you can have a really great present, but if the wrapping paper is ugly, sometimes it doesn't get opened. And I'm not saying that, you right. know, that they were ugly. He always saying, I'm going to be quiet now. No, I, I understand what you're saying. Okay, General Hospital. How does it feel to reprise the same role as A.J. Quartermain that you portrayed 15 years ago? Um, it was a little strange <laughs> and, a little, and a little surreal, to be honest, um, the first couple weeks. But now, I mean, I'm, I'm absolutely, uh, I, I feel very much at ease with it. Um, you know, working with Leslie Charleston, who plays my mother, and even working uh, with Stuart Damon for uh, the show that I did with him, I mean, it just felt like old times. Um, you know, uh, I uh, I wish that I would have had the opportunity to work with Steve Burton before he left. Um, but, you know, if my getting rehired at General Hospital taught me anything, it's, you know, never say never. Right. Uh, you know, I, I would imagine at some point maybe that, that might um, wind up being a reality. Um, but yeah, it was, it was definitely something that I thought was, uh, uh, a chapter of my life that had come and gone and was certainly not going to be revisited. Uh, and when the opportunity to, uh, to return came around, I was, I was really excited about it and, um, uh, I've been having a blast. Great. Well, hey, by the way, before, before we, we have any more questions, can I, can I plug the fact that if anyone would like to follow me on Twitter, it is actually me and I, I, I do my best to try and answer questions and, and you know stay in contact with everybody and let them know where I'm going to be and what I do uh, professionally. So absolutely, Sean Canaan. So so yeah, Twitter for his Twitter address is at Sean Canaan. S e a n k a n a n. That's right. Yes. Yes. So follow Sean on, on Twitter. He, he tells you everything you need to know about where he's going to be, what events he's doing, all of those things. And he will be at Acme this uh, Friday night. I really hope uh, everybody, you know, the, this, the theater is not big. I think it has 99 seats. Right. But this show has been so much fun. And, uh, you know, tomorrow is going to be our um, our last show of of this season, and uh, based upon what the other shows have been like, um, you know, I think I think this one is going to wind up being uh, the best of the bunch. It's going to be probably very wild and very funny, and you know, because it's improv, we never know what's going to happen next, and uh, which means that the uh, the audience has like zero idea what's going to happen next, and uh, we've been getting a really great response. I mean, I think people have a lot of fun. Uh, it's it's you know, when when you when you do a soap, you're not performing in front of a live audience. And so, for um, myself and the other actors, I know we really have a good time. You know, getting that sort of instant uh, reaction and reciprocity from the uh, the audience, um, and it's it's a real good time. I hope everyone will come out and 
get some tickets and say hi. And uh, it's 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 actually a sort of a very intimate opportunity to watch, you know, the actors that I think a lot of people have, you know, they've seen this on TV for a long time. And this is a very small theater. You get a chance to be right up close, and you're seeing us in a. <laughs> in a medium and in a way that is very different than what you're used to. Yes. Yes, I agree. Uh, and and uh, as, as Sean mentioned, um, it's kind of outrageous. So I, I can only imagine, do you have something planned for this Friday? Because you've been outrageous on stage during Scandal Show. <laughs> you know, all the stuff that, uh, that I've done, I, it's not planned because I don't know. We get a very loose outline, and I don't even have it yet. So, uh, you know, I'm doing two shows on General Hospital tomorrow. I have no idea what I'm doing for Acme. Truth be told, I probably will read the stuff tomorrow from Acme when I get five minutes, and I probably won't have a lot of time to think about it until I get there tomorrow night. And that's part of what makes, you know, the whole improv medium so much fun because it's really, you know, shoot from the hip, be in the moment. And, you know, you, you know uh, uh, some stuff works, some stuff doesn't work, some stuff works really well. But for better or for worse, you know, I'm, I'm up there with a group of, of really talented uh, professional actors who are you know committed to committed to this and we're committed to each other so in the sense that you don't know what's going on you still feel that there's a sort of a strange safety net in in the midst of it's kind of like having a safety net i guess at a circus where people are throwing stuff at you you know what i mean and and it's it's, it's kind of chaotic and crazy but you know somehow you're not going to fall and it's going to be okay and if you do fall that kind of turns out to be really interesting stuff too. So I look at it like there's a, it's, it's a no lose type deal. Now, this is the last episode of this year. Would you want to come back and do it again? Um, yeah, I would definitely want to come back and do it again. Um, I'm going to have to think about you know, whether or not, well, first of all, I have to wait and see if they ask me. I mean, perfect. But I, I have to... You know, when I started doing this, I had not started doing General Hospital yet. I don't think. And this, this, uh, my my experience with General Hospital is really a lot different than any other daytime experience that I've had because I'm working so much, and I I love working a lot. I mean, I'm doing you know, seven shows next week, but it's an enormous time commitment, and I just want to make sure that if I if I do, that it's in no way going to, you know, diminish my ability to do either General Hospital or or Scandal Crust, uh, you know, to the best of my ability. Because I think, you know, part of not part of when you're an actor or an artist or anything like that is, you know, you, you, you want to give 100%, um, and I want to make sure that I can do that. Absolutely. One last question. You were speaking about General Hospital. The character of AJ has been through a lot over the years. I mean, there's been a lot that he's done and, and whatever. He started out just being misunderstood and becoming a villain. So now that he is back from the dead, <laughs> without giving <laughs> without giving too much away, what are AJ's goals and motivations right now? Can you give I us like a little insight? Yeah, I think AJ has two primary goals, and they're very simple. He wants to be a legitimate father and a positive influence in Michael's life. And I think he wants to 
make amends to his father, his grandfather, and Jason for all of the wrong that he's done. And he sees ELQ as the vehicle to do that. And, and you know, by, by trying to get himself firmly situated in, in ELQ, uh, he thinks he can, he can do a lot of good. Um, you know, he definitely, he, you know, you know AJ's, another, AJ's another guy that definitely uh, is, is, has got some moral ambiguity to him, as we know, and uh, I think that's stuff that he struggles with all the time, and I think just because he's trying to do some good things doesn't mean that that, that goes bye-bye. Um, and that's what's going to be interesting, seeing this guy that's got, you know, a really, at best, spotty history, trying to do some noble things, but feeling, you know, the weight of his spots, because, you know, I, you know, people say a leopard doesn't change his spots. I mean, I think he's he's running in the right direction, but, um, you know, he's haunted by a lot of his 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 old actions, and um, pretty much everybody except his mother and uh, and Michael, uh, you know, poor Charles is not a real friendly place to AJ right now. Right, right. No, you're right. Um, Okay, again, uh, this Friday at Acme Comedy Hollywood, Sean will be performing as Pierce Sterling, and he is outrageous in the role, so you should come out and see him. Um, And again, the book is The Modern Gentleman, Cooking and Entertaining with Sean Keenan. Um, I would love to... Uh, give you the, uh, let me tell you how to get it. The easiest way to get it, if you want to get a signed copy, is go to the website, which is www.seancanonthemoderngentleman.com. Okay. And it makes you know it makes a, it makes a great gift. The holidays are coming up. It's awesome for uh, you know college kids, and it's awesome for uh, you know women to give the guys that they're with in their relationships, be it a be it a husband or a, or a boyfriend. Wonderful. And and um, I would love to have you back on the show to talk about the book. We could um, go more in depth with it after I, I read it. Would you be open to that? That would be my pleasure. I would love that. I oh, really enjoy talking to you. Absolutely. You just, uh, Absolutely. you just let me know when, okay? Okay, I will. Well, thank you so much. Um, I will see you uh, with uh, some people tomorrow, uh, tomorrow night. Uh, for <laughs> and uh, thank you for your time. I, I, I look, look forward, forward to seeing you tomorrow. I'll and tomorrow. Uh, thank you very much, Sean. Okay, you take care. Bye-bye. You too. Bye-bye. That will uh, conclude uh, this episode of um, Media Night Radio. I hope you guys enjoyed it, and have a great night. Good night. <laughs>